0: come right out and ask it. Do you consider yourself a good listener? Or perhaps a better place to start is by asking, do you know what being a good listener looks like, sounds like, feels like? I found it helpful to take a step back and honestly assess my ability to listen to those around me. And personally, my success or my failure in listening tends to be situational. I find myself focused and actively listening to my students in my classroom and with my podcast guests, but I know I could do a better job actively listening to my kids and my close family members. Work? 8 out of 10. Home? 6 out of 10, on average. And while it hurts me to admit those rankings out loud, I think it's an important starting place for this 11-part series all about the intersection of listening and creativity. I have been deeply interested in this topic of listening for a couple of years now as a way to take more of the world around me in and heighten my creative practice. The catalyst was being given the opportunity to co-teach a course in interdisciplinary innovation with a friend and colleague, Chris Ambedkar, who's been on the podcast before. Each time we teach it, we challenge students to listen deeply as one of the many ways to collaborate and communicate, and ultimately, innovate. I began reading a number of books on the subject, including We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations That Matter by Celeste Headley, and You're Not Listening, What You're Missing and Why It Matters by Kate Murphy. I've become increasingly aware of the power we have when we listen. And perhaps more importantly, the opportunity to slow down, if even just for a moment, when we listen in a world that appears to be forever more careening faster and faster and faster towards I don't know what. Right in the subtitle of author Susan Cain's incredible book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Won't Stop Talking, is an unmistakable truth. Where has the listening gone? Was it ever here to begin with? and what lies at the intersection of listening and creativity. Each episode in this 11-part series will begin with a piece of information about the what, why, when, or where of listening that I've learned while formally and informally studying the topic. Then, this will be followed by the who, the conversation with my guest. And finally, the how, an actionable invitation to improve your listening skills based on the conversation. I've had the great pleasure of sitting down with 11 excellent listeners, some of whom I've known for more than half my life and others I've just met. These individuals work in diverse roles and have diverse lived experiences. For example, you'll hear from a morning TV show producer whose job it is to both listen to her team as well as listen to the world's news in order to distill it for a Canadian audience. You'll hear from an improvisational theatre expert who explains what we can learn about the power of listening from the stage. You'll hear from a mediator whose job it is to find creative solutions when groups of people are unable to develop solutions themselves. You'll hear from a professional jazz vocalist whose job it is to listen deeply to the musicians around her in front of a live audience. You'll hear from a clinical psychologist, a professional listener, who identifies what it means to actively listen and how we can tap into her techniques. You'll hear from a former radio show host who embarked on a three-month vow of silence, discovering the truths that emerge when we choose only to listen. You'll hear from a dog trainer and rehabilitation expert who shares what we can learn from dogs about tuning into subtle energies and nonverbal cues. You'll hear from a family lawyer who uses listening in high-stakes situations to better understand how to resolve emotional disputes and use listening as a tool to step back and question why. You'll hear from an Emmy award-winning creative strategist, author, and design educator, who teaches his students how to listen between the lines to arrive at creative solutions. You'll hear from a chiropractor, who helps us understand tapping into listening through our bodies, specifically through the act of stretching. And finally, you'll hear from a music composer whose calling to create music at the cost of his stable career meant listening to himself, just as much as it requires listening to the music he creates with others. And this is where we begin today. And the music you heard just a few seconds ago, called Payvast Waltz, is an original composition by today's guest, Ahmad Saidi. Please tell us a little about yourself.
1: My name is Ahmad, I'm a pianist, composer and sound designer uh, from Iran. I'm passionate about storytelling with music and sound and I compose in various genres such as soundtrack for podcasts, film, video games, classical, electronic music. Uh, In 2020, I moved to Canada to study Master of Digital Media at Ryerson University, uh, soon to be renamed where I focused on video game music and currently I live in Toronto and for our listeners I should mention that I was Diana's student in my master's uh, and and learned a lot from her. Diana thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be in your podcast today.
0: Those are very kind words and it, the pleasure was a thousand percent mine you are an incredible student and i'm so glad that we get to chat today about this very important topic of listening and creativity and what the two together what the possibilities are when we when we link those two topics so i want to know about this master class that you took that changed your life and also just your work as a composer.
1: Um, I have a complicated background. Uh, I started the piano, playing the piano when I was 14, but I didn't study music at school. Um, I studied industrial engineering in my undergrad and worked as a tech journalist and business developer. And I was successful at my job. Uh, in the winter of 2017, I applied for a PhD in business administration programs in the US and Canada. And in March of 2017, which the Persian New Year begins also, all of them rejected me. (laughs) So I gave myself a kind of New Year uh, slash love me gift to kind of move on from this rejection. Uh, I got Hans Zimmer's uh, Film Scoring Masterclass, uh, where he taught how to tell stories with sound and music, how to interpret characters, places, light, movement, all of these things using sound and music. And it was so inspiring and insightful. Um, While learning this course, I was still working as a business developer, but as I went further, um, I became unhappier with my job. I didn't have time to make music anymore. I couldn't feed my soul. Uh, until I reached a point that I felt depressed. I remember a day that I was so depressed that I couldn't even leave my bed. I cried a lot that day and took that day off. Uh, In those days, I kept remembering Hans Zimmer's words from that masterclass, and uh, these are his exact words that I'm quoting. Uh, It's a terrible career move. Uh, There are a few opportunities, and most of the time it's not gonna work out. You're gonna be starving. And the only reason to do it is uh, because if you don't write music, you would die. You have to be that crazy. And I'm doing it because I had no other options. And he continues, everybody tells you not to do it and get a real job. But when all is said and done and we feel the highest high rises and we build the fastest machines, there's still going to be room for somebody to tell you a story or somebody to write you a piece of music. Uh, So Hans said, if you want to be a successful musician, there's no plan B. Doing music beside your job doesn't work. So at this point, I decided to uh, quit my job, uh, my full-time job, and pursue music. Uh, it, It was a difficult decision, especially because I was getting paid really well. But a dear friend encouraged me to do it. Uh, Later, I got hired by several podcast producers to make music for the podcast. I also composed a soundtrack for two short films, and that path brought me here to Canada to study video game music in my master's degree. And recently, I delivered my first video game sound design project. That masterclass was kind of a turning point, and uh, I'm thankful to Hans Zimmer for being such an inspiration.
0: I have all the feels. <laughs> I knew some of that, but I didn't know all of that. Um, I, I didn't know about the PhD rejection, uh, rejections that you received. You're in good company. I applied for a PhD and was rejected. And, and it, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, but it was really one of the kind of a, a really good thing in the end, and I think for me, it's led to different opportunities and kind of a bit of a different path. And I don't wanna make this all about me, but I was just (laughs) just kind of (laughs) relating to this that that I think maybe one day I'll pursue that again, but there's so many interesting other creative ventures that we can go on that don't require this this, um, kind of um, gateway or this gatekeeper that is education.
1: Yes. um I can't relate to that uh, sometimes you don't know what's the best thing for you, and uh, it turns out to be uh, the best thing for you at the in the end uh, i it, it's mm-hmm. a blessing
0: <laughs> totally totally so i'm i am curious to know your take on on this like what role does active listening play with the other musicians who you create music with
1: it um it plays a vital role uh, listening to uh, listening is the main way I receive information, inspiration, or ideas to make music. And Before making any piece of music that involves other people, uh, the first step is to discuss it. Uh, we usually have long conversations that most of the time it's not even about music. We talk about everything, people, cultures, uh, feelings, concepts, emotions, and abstract ideas. They listen to everyone. Uh, take notes and ask a lot of questions and then we started making music based on those uh, conversations we had. Uh, music itself is also a learning source for me and other musicians. I get ideas and get inspired by others' work so I need to listen very carefully.
0: Absolutely. And I think listening, especially as a musician, you mentioned that it's like the main way that you are receiving information—not only information about uh, ideas that you have, but then also the actual music itself. And and
1: every piece of music I listen to is a is a class for me. I learn.
0: Mm. <laughs> I love that. That's that's such a neat way to frame it. Is that every every kind of piece of music or every opportunity to hear something new is is almost like a little mini self-contained class to learn something from.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> now, in your experience, is listening different across cultures? Like, are there norms and practices different when you're communicating in uh, your first language versus English?
1: Yes, it is very different. Uh, first of all, since English is my not first language, people treat me with patience and respect uh, and they listen more carefully because sometimes i run out of words or i speak slowly uh, i think this behavior is more common in canada because it's a multicultural country that welcomes people from different cultures different backgrounds but that's my uh, personal uh, communication experience from a uh, holistic point of view it seems that people of the, of the developed countries are better listeners. Um, how have these nations reached this point? By listening. The governments listen to their people. People listen to each other and pay attention to details. So they learn how to do things in the right manner. They aren't afraid of asking questions. And they ask until they clarify everything. That's... Uh, how I can put it in a holistic point of view.
0: And circling back to your music now, do you believe that listening for you is integral to your creative practice? And like, how can other creatives in all disciplines learn from how you listen as a composer?
1: Mm-hmm. The first step to do anything properly is to take in the information, whether by listening or other means. And active listening is a cycle of listening, digesting information, asking questions, and responding accordingly. And it's, and it's not achieved easily today because we are bombed with massive amounts of information every day through news, social media, advertisement, and there's a lot of noise out there uh, distracting and misleading us. In, in my recent project, the video game sound design project that I told you, I needed to record the sound of people while they were talking. And I went to many stores, restaurants, cafes, where people gather and talk. But most of my efforts were unsuccessful because I realized that it is really difficult to find a place where there's no music playing in the background. People are playing music everywhere, in stores, restaurants, cafes, in cars. It's out of control. And uh, I think we are dealing with some kind of uh, sound pollution music has become pollution, I think, and with with all this information noise and uh, unwantedly i, I don 't know if that's the word unwantedly heard music, our mind is so engaged with useless data that we cannot think properly i think it's it's like a computer memory that is full, and you need to dele- delete uh, that useless data to give it enough capacity to function properly and I think we need to give our brain and ears some peace, some quiet time, give ourselves some space to be able to think and relax. Um, I mean, what's wrong with being quiet? I think the sound of silence is beautiful and that's the main way to achieve active listening, I believe. And to give you some examples from my uh, habits, my listening habits, I barely play music as a background noise while I'm at home or working because It trains my brain and distracts me. I used to do it uh, when I was younger, but I don't do anymore. Uh, Or, for example, when I go jogging, I don't take my earbuds with myself to listen to music. It's a quiet time for my brain to take a break. uh, And instead, I listen to the sound of my surroundings and I don't think about anything else. I I learned this from, uh, uh, what was the name? I learned this from a Japanese writer, Haruki Murakami, in his book, when I talk about what I talk about when I talk about running. And sometimes uh, even sometimes when I make music, I take a break from listening to any kind of music for days or even weeks so that I can come up with something uh, pure and original. It's just the opposite of the way people think, because people think that, because I'm a musician, I'm listening to music all the time that's (laughs) that's not true constant uh, constant listening to music uh, drains our brain and leads to ear fatigue I think Um, I listen to music only when I want to listen to music and it's a time to it's a time dedicated only to music that way I can truly enjoy it because it's a pure experience
0: that is fascinating to me That you as a musician, a composer, someone who is deeply invested in this world of music, as you alluded to at the beginning with Hans Zimmer's masterclass, like you're either in it or you're or you're not. It's not something you can go halfway on. The fact that you make it a practice to have moments or days or weeks of quiet so that not only you can be more innovative and create something really truly unique and new but also to give your brain a break is hugely enlightening for me so i personally i work the same way most of the time um, as you do i work in quiet so i find it also very distracting to have music in the background if i have music in the background it's very quiet and it is usually um like some sort of jazz (laughs) that's that's the only thing that I can kind of like for whatever reason and whether it's the pacing or the structure of jazz music maybe there's something deeper there or it's just something that I can casually have in the background that's light whatever it's that's really the only way I can listen to music when I work and that's few and far between and so I I find it so inspiring and so refreshing uh, to hear your perspective about quiet and silence and not overloading our brains with this sensory music experience.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, when I was in my undergrad, my I remember exactly, in my, it was the first year of my undergrad. Um, and I was in the library uh, solving differential equations, uh, integral equations. And I used to listen music all the time. Um, and I, I was—I I used to listen to very complex pieces of music and very um, and very loud. For example, uh, Rachmaninoff's Third Piano Concerto. It's a very complicated piece, and I really don't understand how could I do that while doing those complex mathematics uh, questions. But anyway, I think as as we uh, grow older, we realize that. Um, we can make better use of our time and our brain.
0: I totally agree that some of the things that we have been taught to think are normal or okay or commonplace, like music in every cafe, store, (laughs) on every floor of everywhere we go, uh, does not mean that that's necessarily the best thing for everybody or something that kind of is the optimal experience um, for for a number of reasons that you've alluded to so that's a really cool interesting um insight for me thank you
1: welcome i, I think it's uh it's uh, because of the te- because of technology technology has made music available uh everywhere uh for at, at any time so people can access it whenever they want it it wasn't used to be like this before that people had uh, vinyl disc turntable, and they, they had only musical moments in past. So now it's uh, available at anywhere, any moment to everyone, uh, which is a good thing, but we, we need to learn how to use it properly.
0: And that just made me think of a, a quick story here. So when I was growing up, I took ballet lessons and i wasn't very good at it i didn't take a lot of ballet lessons but but i remember that the, at the the place where i learned ballet it was just like it was a, at the at the time it was a cassette tape and they would press play and it would be the music and the exercise and the whatever right so it's it's from this like small stereo with this cassette tape low quality music whatever Fast forward a few years to my first year of university, my undergrad um, degree, and I had an opportunity to take an adult ballet class, just a recreational class, because again, I am no prima ballerina by any sense, but a recreational class at the National Ballet of Canada School. Uh, So when, I mean, the the studio is beautiful. It's an incredible space. uh, It overlooks like tall, tall glass overlooking the city, beautiful. Then the very first class, In Walks, and there's also a grand piano in the corner of the room. So keep in mind, mm-hmm. I am ballet of my in my mind comes from a little tiny stereo with the cassette tape. In walks, <laughs> in walks a live pianist who plays the class live. It blew my mind. It was like wow. eating I don't know, dollar store chocolate and then having a fine piece of dark chocolate given to me. I'm like, this is what chocolate is. This this is what it is. And so I just remember so vividly that experience of that dance class. And again, I was, the, I was probably the worst one in the room, but it did not matter because the experience of that live pianist was like breathtaking.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Do you know uh, why hearing live music is different from hearing the same exact piece of music in uh, earphones or headphones.
0: No, tell me, enlighten me.
1: It's because we hear music and not only by our ears, but we are our body. We Mm. we don't hear, you know, know, sound is wave and uh, um, our hearing is limited from uh, 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. So uh, we hear some of the frequencies that are out of this uh, range, with our body, for example, very low frequencies. And so when you you hear a piece of music live, you hear all of those frequencies with your body and your ear. That's why it's different when you're in in a concert versus when you're listening to the same piece of music in headphones or speakers. Because headphones and speakers, um, or even audio formats that uh, the music, they convert the music to, uh, delete some of the frequencies that the original audio has so it kind of limits your listening experience
0: so interesting and that makes total sense right so that 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 makes a lot of sense and it's yeah it's just such a different experience I mean that going back to that that one example it was so vivid in my mind both of those experiences as a kid in ballet class and as an adult but it was the music that was transformative in that in that experience so it's uh it's it's powerful stuff
1: yeah did you continue doing that no
0: (laughs) no no i i i I got busy and gave that up but maybe one day i'll go back to those classes because i it was so
1: incredible you should it sounds like a wonderful experience Mm
0: mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to take a a jazz dance class or a a hip hop class first before ballet. Ballet's like, <laughs> I I love the music experience, but in terms of of uh, the rules of ballet, I just don't have enough of a foundation to really enjoy it the way that others can. Anyway, we're off topic. We're off topic. Uh, Ahmad, you are a delight. You are a delight and a pleasure and a visionary, and I am so so humbled that you have taken the time to chat today, and I wish you nothing but the best in your world of composing.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was absolutely a pleasure to be in your podcast today, Um, and I hope the listeners find it uh, as insightful as you do.
0: Imad's story reminds me of singer, songwriter, musician, composer, band leader, and television personality, John Batiste's speech at the 2022 Grammy Awards. He said this, I believe this to my core. There is no best musician, best artist, best dancer, best actor. The creative arts are subjective, and they reach people at a point in their lives when they need it most. I'm so grateful to Ahmad for sharing his story with us, and I was particularly intrigued by his stance on noise pollution and the opportunities that exist in life's silent moments. So here is my invitation to you to improve your listening skills. Seek out silence. It doesn't have to be for long, however, you might find that you want to linger there, but find a spot that's quiet, like really quiet perhaps a quiet corner of a room, or even a closet where sound is absorbed by your clothing. And sit. And think. And let your mind wander. And this is not so much a meditative practice per se, but rather just a moment of rest for your ears and for your brain in our noisy world. When you emerge from your cocoon of silence, perhaps you'll discover that everyday noises you experience may sound a little more novel. Stay tuned for the next episode where you'll hear from Katie Mason, a morning TV show producer at CBC, whose job it is to both listen to her team as well as listen to the world's news in order to distill it for a Canadian audience. But until then, enjoy Ahmad's composition.